So, okay. So I need somebody to represent each one of these offices, but I wonder where I could find somebody to represent an apostle. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, our apostle's up there. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Can you come down, apostle? <laughs> So we're going to put our apostle right there. Now, let's see. Mm -hmm, right there. Just, I wonder who I could get to represent apostle. Oh, I know. How about you? <laughs> How about Angie? <laughs> so she's going to stand next to our apostle. Now, whoever wants to volunteer to stand for this, just stand. I need somebody to represent our evangelist. Lisa! Well, I... Okay, Lisa, come on down here. <laughs> okay, you stand in for Lisa. Okay. Okay, quickly, I need somebody to stand in for Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> now, hmm, I wonder where I could find a couple of pastors. Anybody know? Ah! I want two pastors. I'm greedy. <laughs> two pastors. <laughs> okay. I understand. You got the babies. Okay, one more. I need somebody to volunteer to represent the teacher. you guys a, a question. Why did God create us? Create us. Why did God create all of, all of humanity? Everything. <laughs> I'll help you out. Revelation 4.11 says, you are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, and for your pleasure, they were created and exist. So we were all created, no matter where we are, who we are, whether we have breath, we were created for his pleasure. So, here's what I want you guys to do. Because I want you to know that there are some things that God does not take pleasure in. 
And so I've got a scripture, and I've got it in five different translations. And we're going to start with the apostle, and then pass it down until each version has been read. And read nice and loud. <laughs> no, you got to be a King James today. Hello. Hebrews 10.38 in the King James Version. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. If anybody draws back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. ESV. By my righteous one shall live by, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. If he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. You're reading it. I sent it to you. You've got the NLP. Okay, I, I got it. Am I going? Yes. Go, Lisa. All right. And my righteous one will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. Oh. Thank you. I had my hands raised in the air. That was a power pose. <laughs> Okay, now our evangelist. I have the message. But anyone who is right with me thrives on loyal trust. If he cuts and runs, I won't be very happy. <laughs> no cutting and running. <clears throat> okay, now we have our teacher. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Wow. So we know that God takes pleasure in us. So we see from what they just read that there can be times when God will not take pleasure in us. And one is when we shrink back, when we cut and run, (laughs) when we put our hand to the plow and look back. I didn't put that scripture there. So now, though, here's what we want to talk about next. But, oh, and let me read the Passion Translation of that. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. So that's not who we are. We, we don't belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. Okay. Now my, van, my uh, evangelist went away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> She's still here. Okay. Okay. Now, we're going to talk more about who God says we are, but first I want to look at the picture here. Here we have a prophetic apostle. Here we have a knobby, cry loud, spare not prophet. (laughs) We have a prophetic evangelist. (laughs) We have a prophetic pastor who's married to a prophetic pastor who's a dream seer. (laughs) And then our prophetic teacher. So we're seeing a picture here, right? And and what's the key word in all of these? 
Prophetic and prophet, yes, yes. So um, let, let's look at who God says we are real quick. We're going to do the same thing again, and we're going to see what God says, who we are. Hebrews 10.39 in the King James Version. But we are not of them who draw back under perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. ESV, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Time out. Incoming. Selah. <laughs> yes. Your turn. I don't have it yet. We're pausing in his presence. We are, we are, we are. <laughs> oh, here it is. It's downloading. Okay. I'm number three. Okay. But we are not like those who turn away from God in their own destruction. We are the faithful ones where, whose souls will be saved. Amen. That was very evangelistic. <laughs> I also think it's funny that the pastor has a message translation. I think it's hilarious. This is how I would say things. He wouldn't be very happy. So. <laughs> but we're not quitters who lose out. Oh, no. We'll stay with it and survive, trusting all the way. But we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and obtain life. Now we're going to talk some more about who God says we are, but first, I want to call up some more prophets. Let's see. I wonder where I could find a prophetic intercessor. Anybody know? Oh, I see a prophetic intercessor. <laughs> she can't wait to come up. <laughs> Here she comes. Our prophetic intercessor. Now, I, I, I still need some more prophets, right? Need some more prophets. Do you guys, does anybody know where I could find a seer prophet? You know, somebody kind of like Ezekiel who sees strange stuff that has no explanation, the weird, the wonderful, the bizarre. Anybody know anybody like that? Oh, oh, I see one. His name is Jeff. Tighten in if you can, you guys. <laughs> now, you know, we have to have Judah prophets because they lead the way. We have to have a psalmist prophet to help us break through. I think I know one. Oh, there she is! Her name is Robin! 
Satan. <laughs> we got some more prophets. Praise you, Jesus. Now, what we're looking at here are instruments. You guys are all instruments. All instruments. So, Romans 6.13 says, And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So we are all righteous instruments of worship. So we're looking at the instruments. Now, all these instruments, where do they belong? They belong in the temple, right? They are the temple, and they belong in the temple. Now, I wonder where I could, if I could get somebody to volunteer, you know, kind of to help arrange the furniture and keep the instruments in order and bring them together, you know, kind of like a Levitical priest, volunteer. Okay, I'll do it. I'll be that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so we got all our instruments. I came to the temple early so I could shine them up and I could move them. I'd say, no, I think God likes it when we do it like this. And I think God likes her just a little bit like this. And so we got, we got some of our instruments of worship, right? But now, we're all instruments of worship. It doesn't matter if you're apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, prophet, intercessor, seer, prophet, <laughs> Judah, prophet. We're all instruments. So find a place up here where you can join us. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Instruments. That, that, that would be you. Instruments. So now, we've got all, all the instruments in the temple. So what does that tell you? What does that tell you? All, all the instruments belong in the temple. All the instruments have a place in the temple. It's not just the psalmist. It's not just the, the Levitical priest who helps get the instruments all shiny and lined up. It's not just the Ezekiel prophet. It's not, it's all of us. All of us are responsible for worship in the temple. And when you look in the Old Testament, in the Chronicles, where, where uh, we see worship that was in David's temple, it was a big deal. And everybody took a part. Everybody had a part to play. There was nobody standing around. Can you imagine? Imagine this big company huge company of worshipers and the priest and the Levitical priest and all the attendants in the temple are standing around getting everything ready because this is for the king. We're doing this for the king. Now, what would it look like if everybody's working and I'm... Rise up. Rise up. Prophesy. <laughs> 
Would you look like an instrument of worship? Would that honor the king? Would not honor the king. So let me tell you more about what Jesus says about us. This is the day of the Lord from Joel 2, 1 through 11. Blow a trumpet in Zion. Prophesy, prophesy. Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, it is near. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like blackness there is spread upon the mountains a great and powerful people. So imagine so many people. Have you ever seen a cluster of bees and there's so many of them and it's just like a big black glob, glob? Imagine so many people that, that we just look like a black cloud. You can't even differentiate shapes and figures because we all are so gathered together. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness like blackness. There is spread upon the mountains a great and powerful people. Their like has never been before, nor will be again after them. Through the years of all generations, fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but behind them a desolate wilderness, and nothing escapes them. (laughs) Nothing escapes them. No, don't. Glad to see you. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like war horses they run. As with the rumbling of chariots, they leap on the tops of the mountains like the crackling of a flame of fire devouring the stubble, like a powerful army drawn up for battle. Before them, peoples are in anguish. All faces grow pale. Like warriors, they charge. Like soldiers, they scale the wall. They march each on his way. They do not swerve from their paths. They do not jostle one another. Each marches in his path. They burst through the weapons and are not halted. They leap upon the city. They run upon the walls. They climb up into the houses. They enter through the windows. Like a thief, the earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble, the sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice before his army, for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful, for the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? That's who God says we are. Through our God, we have run through a troop, and we have leapt over a wall. Ask our apostle what it looks like to run through a troop, a whole troop, a thick black cloud of powerful people, powerful soldiers, instruments of worship, instruments of righteousness. Now, we're going to do something quickly so I don't run out of time. Um, here's what I want you guys to do. And before I get there, let me say this. 
Here's what Joel 2.28 says. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young girls shall dream dreams. Added that. (laughs) And your young men shall see visions. So nobody gets to say, I can't, there's nothing I can do. Everybody gets to dream. Everybody gets to prophesy. All flesh. All flesh. So, I I want us to prophesy to our bones. Now, start thinking about your bone or your bones. What is that dead thing in your life that, that you need to prophesy to? Because, see, God has called us. We're not a regular church. We're a church of prophets and prophetic people, leaders and future leaders. And so many of us are going to prophesy into the nations. But before we can prophesy into the nations, we need to prophesy to ourselves. We need to know how to speak to our own dead bones. And then when we come to a nation and we see dead bones scattered in heaps, they won't overwhelm us. Because we'll be like David, because he killed the lion and the bear. So by the time he got to Goliath, prophesy, prophesy, rise up. So we're going to start prophesying. Now, here's what, here's what you're going to do. You're going to get a scripture that encourages you, that encourages your situation. It doesn't matter what it is. Be strong in the Lord. Let the weak say, I am strong. Uh, He loves me. Jesus wept. Whatever encourages you, whatever encourages your dry bones, quickly get a scripture. And I'm going to look at you and I'm going to say, prophesy, prophesy, rise up. And then you're going to say your scripture and we're going to go down the line. And then maybe would you play, start, play rise up for us. So get your Bible, your phone. Ask your mom. (laughs) However you get a scripture, that's for you to decide. Give you guys a few minutes to get ready. I'll just kind of, while you guys are getting ready, we'll rise up. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. Oh, rise up. We're going to rise up. We're going to rise up. We're going to rise up. Every dead situation, your dead dry bones come to attention. Hear the word of the Lord. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up, you're not the same. You've been changing Jesus' name. Rise up. Every nation of the earth, prepare yourself for the new birth. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. A couple more minutes. Rise up. Okay, thank you. Okay, okay. We're about ready, you guys. Mike's going to help me 
Thank you. And go around with the mic. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. You're not the same. You've been changed in Jesus' name. Rise up. Every nation, all the earth, prepare yourself for the new birth. Rise up. He has covered you in him. Now the wind is blowing in. Rise up. His breath is coming in. His wind is blowing in. His breath is coming in. His wind is blowing in. His breath is coming in. His wind is blowing in. Rise up. Put your hand up if you're ready. Okay. Mike's going to go first, and then he's going to go to Christy. Rise up. Rise up. Prophesy. Prophesy. Rise up. Chances first. Nice and children. Loud. Children. Are gods. Gods. Love gifts. Love death. They are heavens. They are my heavens. Generous. Generous. Reward. Right. Good job. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about things. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering a faith. Faith-filled request before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Rise up. Prophesy, Mike. Prophesy. Rise up. Deuteronomy 1.8. See, I have given you this land. Go and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their descendants after them. Rise up, prophesy, prophesy, rise up. I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. Rise up, prophesy, prophesy, rise up. Oh, sorry. So from now on, we refuse to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances, for that's how we once viewed the anointed one. But no longer do we see him with limited human insight. Now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God, and God lives through them. By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all of that Jesus is now because all that Jesus now is. So are we in the world. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. 
Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. Rise up. Rise up. Prophesy. Prophesy. Rise up. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. Amen. Rise up. Rise up. Prophesy. Prophesy. Rise up. But Christ has indeed been risen from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Rise up, prophesy, Jordan, prophesy, rise up. James chapter 1, verse 3, Amplified Bible. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and yeah. inner peace. Amen. Rise up. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in the green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall not fear any evil. For in him I live and move and have all my strength. In Jesus' name I ask. Prophesy, Mama, rise up. (laughs) Rise up, rise up. Prophesy, rise up. Jesus said, "Yes, I hear them. Yes, I hear them. And I, and haven't you read? Haven't you read? In God's word, in God's word, from the mouth of children and babes, and master children babe, I'll furnish a place. I'll furnish pray of pla- of praise. The praise. I love seeing the children prophesy. All flesh." Prophesy, prophesy, rise up. For I am sure that neither life nor nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor debt, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 38, 39. Read that one again real loud. For I am sure neither life nor death nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor debt nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans eight thirty eight through 39. Love it. Love it. Anybody else? Yes, I do. Rise up. Blessed are you when they say every manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. <laughs> and what I, I think we get the crown of life after that. So prophesy, prophesy, rise up. Rise up. Lisa's got a lot. Come on, Lisa. Lisa. Rise up. Okay, Deuteronomy 31, 5 and 6. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Be strong and bold. Have no fear or dread of them because it's the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Yes. 
Rise up. I can do Rise I can do all up. things through Christ who gives me strength. Yes. Can I read that in the, in the passion real quick? It says, I know what it means to lack and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance for I am trained in the secret of overcoming all things whether in fullness or in hunger and I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. Now, who has not read a scripture? Okay. God is a refuge and strength, a very present hope. In trouble, we there we will not feel. Prophesy, prophesy, rise up. Don't look at me. Fear not, for my God is with me. Good job, thanks. <laughs> Come on. Let's prophesy. My turn. <laughs> Come on. Mine's kind of long, but bear with me. Prophesy, <laughs> prophesy, spare not, rise up. Meanwhile, Sisera, running for his life, headed for the tent of Jael, wife of Heber the Kenite. Jabin, king of Hazor, and Heber the Kenite were on good terms with one another. Jael stepped out to meet Sisera and said, Come in, sir. Stay here with me. Don't be afraid. So he went with her into her tent. She covered him with a blanket. He said to her, Please, a little water. I'm thirsty. She opened a bottle of milk, gave him a drink, and then covered him up again. He then said, Stand at the tent flap. If anyone comes by and asks you, Is there anyone here? Tell him, No, not a soul. Then while he was fast asleep from exhaustion, Jael, wife of Heber, took a tent peg and hammer, tiptoed toward him, and drove the tent peg through his temple and all the way into the ground. He convulsed and he died. Barak arrived in pursuit of Sisera. Jael went out to greet him. She said, come, I'll show you the man you're looking for. He went with her, and there he was. Sisera stretched out, dead, with a tent peg through his temple. On that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the people of Israel. The people of Israel pressed harder and harder on Jabin, king of Canaan, until there was nothing left of him. Told you, cry aloud, spare not. <laughs> you guys, give yourselves a hand. <laughs> now I'm going to land this plane. We're almost done, but I want to tell you a story. You guys can sit down, and then uh, the worship team will come again when I'm done. I'm going to try to be quick about this, and I don't have time to really. <laughs> That's what preachers always lie and say that. Okay. Um, I really am, though. Um, I don't have time to tell the whole story, but, and I probably won't say her name right because different people say it different ways. The way I say it is Adaliah. Um, and to familiarize you with Adaliah, we all know who Jezebel is, right? 
Jezebel was the wife of King Ahab. Well, they had a daughter, and that daughter's name was Adaliah. <clears throat> and she was every bit probably more wicked than they were, and she learned her false worship from them. And uh, <clears throat> how, many, how many of you know Jezebel hates worship because Jezebel hates prophets, and prophets are worshipers. We're all called to be worship, but there are some of us in the kingdom who are called into a realm of prophetic worship that brings others into that space. And so Adaliah is every bit as wicked, was every bit as wicked as her, as her mother Jezebel. Now there was a man named Jehu. He was a commander in the Lord's army. And his mission was to kill out all the Baal worshipers. And he got most of them. And he was also supposed to kill Adaliah's husband and her son. Now, just to give you an idea of how wicked Adaliah was, in order to gain the throne, this, this woman went through, and, and she spared not either. She killed even her children and her grandchildren. Can you imagine being that wicked? That you want something that bad, you'll kill off your offspring to have it. That's how wicked the spirit is. And so um, she was literally wiping out her family. Adaliah had a sister. And she, the sister hides her nephew, which is the son of Adaliah. And she hides him in the temple with the priest. I think his name was Jodakiah or something like that. You can, you can read about this in Second Chronicles. I think it's like um, 23. Um, in fact, I might grab my Bible real quick. And so anyway, uh, Joash is this young boy who is hidden in the temple. And the long and short of it, the goal is to get worship back into the hands of Judah, Israel, Judah, because where does praise belong? With Judah. Um, and so that's why God raised up Jehu for that mission. And so uh, while, while the priest has Joash in the temple hiding him, he goes ahead and anoints him as king secretly. And so long story short, you know, Adelias is furious. Uh, she, gets, she gets her demise just like Jezebel. But what's the point of this story? Okay. One of the territorial spirits that we have talked about in my city, and probably in this city too, is false worship. And so, like when Elijah you know, dealt with the prophets of Baal. It was about worship. It was about false worship. So how do you get rid of false worship? Do you go on a prayer walk and start screaming at territorial spirits? I suppose you could. I'm not saying you couldn't, you know. But I think and or 
what you need to do with false worship is you need to present true worship. That's how you get rid of false worship is with true worship. And that's what Elijah did. He said, we're going to show who the true God is by fire. So it can't be just, "Mm, I lay my crown. It's got to be fired up worship. You you know, it's got to be so hot that there's water in a trench and you start worshiping and whoosh. And then the prophets of Baal are like, dang, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> and then what happens? After you present the true worship to burn up the false worship, then you go kill the false prophets. Come on. Then you go kill. But first, you bring the true worship. You bring the fire and the water. (laughs) Then you go kill the prophets. So that's what we want to do. We want to deal with the false worship in our regions, in our territories. But we're not going to be able to do that with substandard worship, without high praise. Elijah went up on a mountain. The prophets of Baal were in a high place. They weren't down here. Did you know even false worship gets up here? We talk about ascending, but false worship has an ascension too. And we got to get past that ascension. You know, there is a second heaven. We don't want to be in the second heaven. We want to be in the third heaven where God is, where the Godhead is where the angels are, where the elders are, where the creatures are, where the cloud of witnesses are. We can't do it down here with, with low-level worship. It has to be a high praise, the song of ascents. We talked about this one night uh, in Topeka at our meeting about David, and there's a whole portion of the Psalms that are dedicated to that that are called the Psalms of ascent. And just a side story, <laughs> I sent this to Angie yesterday, but the Lord gave me this song, Rise Up, several months ago. And every time I'd be humming it, Rise Up, that, I'd see my granddaughter, she's three, you know, and I'd see her going, because she'll dance sometimes, you know, and I'd see Jayla, her name is Jayla, and she'd be doing this, you know. And I thought, well, I'm just thinking of my granddaughter. <laughs> But then every time it would happen, I'm like, okay, God. (laughs) So I go and look up her name. Her name means to ascend. So what do you think God's saying? Rise up, ascend. Come on, get up here while I am. We're supposed to make earth look like heaven. The earth is his footstool. He don't want to worship on a footstool. (laughs) He wants to meet us from an ascended place. Now, we all know the scripture that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Okay, we know that. But I want us to look at that a little bit differently than we may look at it. Um, And and the reason I do is because we have reduced prophecy and the prophetic, and we've done the same thing with intercession, but we have reduced prophecy 
to just mere words. Prophecy is more than this. Prayer is more than this. More than just words. And so the testimony of Jesus was the spirit of prophecy. Another word for testimony is witness. You can look it up in the Greek. That's one of the words that you get for witness. Well, we know a witness gets on the stand and takes the stand. But also, another thing that witness means is evidence. So look at it like this. The evidence of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The evidence of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, if you've got a piece of paper... And you can get with me later if you need to. But God gave me, um, and, and let, me, let me add this point too because it's a very good point. Um, we see all of the fivefold ministry encompassed in Jesus. More evidence, right? And we see, you know, um, Jesus did signs, wonders, miracles, in addition to preaching and teaching. He didn't just go around preaching, teaching. The evidence of prophecy came through Jesus and the signs. He even said, if you don't want to believe me, believe me at least for the miracle's sake. Can't you believe me based on what you see? If you can't believe what I'm saying and what you hear, can't you believe me based on what you see? The witness, the testimony, the evidence of I am that prophet, I am that one, I am he. So the Lord wants me to challenge us, me, all of us. And this is what he gave me. This is a challenge. Number one, wherever you feel like you fit in the five-fold ministry or whatever metron, And even if you're outside of that and you flow in a different gifting, even if you're unsure, whatever you feel like God has told you, whatever you're investigating or identifying yourself with, I want you, we'll just use, we'll use prophet because a lot of people are drawn to prophecy and rightly so, but If I say I'm a prophet, and let's say I got laryngitis, and the doctor said, you're not going to be able to talk for, you'll you'll be okay, but it's going to be six months for you, before you can talk, Pepper. Well, should I call you guys up and say, you know, I'm not going to be a prophet for about six months, because, you know, I can't talk, so I can't give no prophecies. Uh, No. I'm a prophet because he says I'm a prophet. One, I'm a prophet because my life is a testimony. My works are a testimony of who God says I am, of who I say I am. So that's the first challenge. If you couldn't talk, if you say you're a pastor and you couldn't talk, what evidence can you provide that you're a pastor? That's the first challenge. And I want to add this side note, too, because, you know, sometimes I have a hesitancy to say that I'm a prophet, and I'll tell you why. 
It's not just my own insecurities. It's because when you say that you're a prophet, the first people, the first thing people think, oh, I need a prophetic word. Okay. Prove you're a prophet by what you say. Yea, I would say unto thee, and thou shalt, and surely thou will. <laughs> you know, that's what people want. <laughs> when you say you're a prophet. But do you realize, I just prophesied to you. I prophesied to you in song. I prophesied to you in demonstration. This whole activation was an expression of my prophecy. I just prophesied. Do you realize when I activated you, you prophesied. When she sang the song of the Lord, she prophesies. So we have to get out of this mindset that we demonstrate and prove who we are by mere words. The words are good. We don't want to ever stop the words. But we want, we want a, a just balance. We want the words to line up with the demonstration. So here's the second part of the challenge. First part, if you couldn't talk, what evidence do you have to prove that you're X? The second one, if you died and for some reason we weren't able to give you an obituary, what proof would you have left behind that you're a preacher, a prophet, an intercessor, an evangelist, a teacher, whatever. So if I die and I say that I'm an intercessor and they can't get an obituary in the paper to say that, she prayed such wonderful prayers. She did this and she had a degree in pre-prayer theology and <laughs> she mastered in prayer at Oxford. Then she went on to be the Archbishop of Prayer of Canterbury. Whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm making dumb stuff up to make a point. <laughs> you can read all that stuff and be real impressed. Wow. But, and look behind me, you don't, you don't see no evidence of my prayers. My dog's dead. I'm broke. <laughs> all my kids are prodigals. And that happens to all of us. But at some point, there should be some evidence of prayer. So when you're doing this challenge, I want you to think about three things. I want you to think about fruit. I want you to think about legacy. And I want you to think about replication. Can I look at my life and see if I've replicated any intercessors? Can I look at my life and see? Can I look in my life and see any fruit or evidence of my prayers? Does anybody come and say, wow, you prayed and you know, it, it, everything just shifted. So that's your challenge. And you're going to have to sit in it with God. It's not going to come today. You know, it's going to be a course of time. You may get some right away, but you're really going to have to use some critical thinking Put on your thinking cap, and you're going to have to sit in that with God. And you're going to have to ask yourself some honest questions. Be transparent even with yourself. I mean, I don't like to say, you know, there ain't, I don't have a whole trail of intercessors falling behind me, <laughs> you know. So sit with those two questions. If you couldn't talk, 
What evidence do you have that you are who you say you are? If you died and they couldn't write an obituary for you, what evidence did you leave behind that you are what you say you are? And here's the key. Whatever you come up with, remember, it must reveal Jesus. It must reveal Jesus. Because that, the testimony or the witness of Jesus, it must reveal Jesus. That's the spirit of prophecy. Not just what Jesus said. Because when we think testimony, we think the churches I grew up in, we had testimony services. <laughs> and we said, you know, God paid my light bill. I had $2 in the bank and I don't know. And those were good, real testimonies. But I don't want you to think of testimony in that way. I want you to think of testimony in witness, evidence, proof. Because even in court, when you give a verbal testimony, it then goes into the record and it's called evidence. It's not called testimony anymore. It's called evidence. So, <clears throat> so we're going to, worship team, we're going to sing Rise Up again. And this time... When you sing it, remember, we're all instruments in the temple. Nobody gets to be in the temple and not have a service, a duty to do, from the youngest to the oldest. And also, remember that you're prophesying, not just by what you say. When you lift your hands, you're prophesying. You know, I'm kind of over those activations that say, Okay, this is a prophetic activation. Now prophesy. Because the kind of prophet I am, I might say, I might do something like this. Just prophesy to you. She's crazy. <laughs> you know, the Lord might have me. They might say in the activation, prophesy. And I might say, you know, let him in, let him in, let him. People don't want prophecies like that because we don't understand that prophecy is more than mere words. Yes, we're going to use our words, but we're going to use ourselves. We are present our bodies as instruments of righteousness, as instruments as worship. Remember, he said, in everything you do, in word or deed, do it as unto the Lord and to present your body as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable. So if worship is a sacrifice, I am sacrificing when I move my body. I'm sacrificing when I wave my hand. I'm sacrificing when I let him encounter me. Even if my body is still, my spirit is active. My spirit is swirling. Sometimes when I get up, you know, you don't always feel that great when you get up. And here's what my intercession looks like when I get up some mornings. It looks like this. Sometimes that's my intercession. And that's all he asks of me. And I'm not saying it's not good to pray an hour. I'm not saying it's not good to be disciplined in prayer. I try to be all those things. But I try to give him what he asked for because I was created for his pleasure. I don't put him on my road or my agenda and say, God, I'm going to give you 15 minutes of prayer and then we're going to go. Into... No, he said, I want your body today. I just want you to lay on the floor today. My act of intercession and worship can be a demonstration. 
So, rise up. <laughs> Prophesy. Moving, moving, 
Sing, instrument of your worship, prophesy. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. Prophesy. Prophesy. Rise up. You guys be blessed this week. so good. Um, before we get out of here, let's take up an offering and um, thank you, Lucas. Not with me. Uh, you, you know the drill. I don't need to lead you in this. Give! <laughs> So the Lord seated on.